0: All right, church, let's get your Bibles. And if you would, open up to the book of John, chapter 20, verse 11, on this gloomy morning. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And no cloud in the sky can undo this. No pandemic that drives churches across the world not to gather this morning, on this Easter morning, not even that, can take away the risen Lord. And I don't say that flippantly. And every day that we live and every day into eternity for us who trust Him, we live in the light of the resurrected Jesus, of an exalted Lord, of the Son of God, who has become the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's reality. That's how our hearts and minds should be tuned. But they may not be there yet today. There may be things that weigh us and have our eyes turned downward instead of where Christ is seated. Well, God has some good news for you and I today in his word. On the very first Easter morning, that day of the promise of the resurrection was fulfilled, virtually no one was leaping for joy at first. It was as if the people had gotten that phone call, been pulled aside by a friend or relative a few days earlier. And some of you who have gotten this call or have been pulled aside this way, and had been handed devastating news. And when we've been given that news, Our world seems to just flip upside down where the blood rushes to our heads and our eyes don't know whether to stay open or shut because of the tears. We don't know whether to sit sit down or stand up, whether to pace like a caged animal or to crawl into bed wanting to die. Punch the wall or just stand very still trying to fight away emotions that someone once lied about that grown men aren't supposed to have. Well, Jesus' disciples had been handed that kind of news. They had seen that news with their own eyes. Several of them in a garden where a mob gathered around their savior, dragged him from one important person's house to another, until after all that ado, false charges, mockery, politics and jaw-dropping arrogance, he was not set free, but was pinned like a billboard by nails in his arms and his feet onto a cross of wood and raised up into the air for all coming into Jerusalem to see him asphyxiate to death. And his mother, at least one of his disciples, And several of the women who followed him were there and saw him. They saw their son. They saw their teacher. They saw their hope die in the greatest injustice the world has ever known. And one of these women was Mary Magdalene. She seems to have been a woman who had some wealth and ability to fund Jesus' ministry, and when she had seven demons cast out of her, that's a living nightmare, by the way. When she had those cast out of her by Jesus, she was devoted to him. It was full of nothing but love for her Savior. So when she saw her Savior treated that way, her world was undone. And here in John 20, she is trying as only a grieving person can try to figure out something. So on the third day, early in the morning, she goes. Other gospels say that other women went with her to the tomb where Jesus has been laid with spices to further anoint his body. But when she gets there, For her, it's as if insult has been added to injury. The stone is rolled away and the body of Jesus is gone. It's not there. And she, in grief and desperation, runs to the disciples for help. Someone has taken the Lord. And they aren't any help at all. They only look at the empty tomb and return to their homes. And so Mary is left there at the tomb with a world flipped upside down, her faith and hopes crushed and her love for Jesus still there but very confused. What must happen to her? What must happen to us for us to see today as it really is? A day where love is vindicated. Where faith is renewed. Where hope is made unshakable. What must happen? Hopefully you are there. So if you have gotten there, please read with me. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. And we're going to go through this a bit, bit by bit, all the way through verse 18. John 20 verse 11. But Mary She turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. We're going to go slowly through this. Take Mary's journey with her. Because if you want resurrection hope today, And every day, you must first let the risen Christ shape your love, shape your faith, and shape your hope. So first, our love must be flipped upside down. Mary is at wit's end. She feels very alone and it's dark. Early in the morning, we can read from verse 1 of chapter 20. She can see the outline of the tomb in the slowly disappearing shadows. And isn't that how God works? Do you hear the story of God at work here? As the sun begins to rise in the sky, the darkness begins to flee. And what was all this? indiscernible shadows, now takes further shape and definition and clarity. And this is a picture of what God is going to do for Mary. It's what he's been doing since the beginning. Genesis one, verses two through three. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Israel was delivered in darkness, in the darkness of night, in the darkness of the death of the firstborn of Egypt to a pillar of fire living light that guided them and guarded them throughout their entire wilderness journey. Exodus through Numbers. Isaiah 9 verse 2, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, verses 4 and 5, In Him, that is Jesus, the Word, was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. First Peter 2 verse 9, But you, church, are our chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And at the end of the book, Revelation 21, verses 22 through 25, John writes, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb." By its light, the nations will walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. And in this grand picture of God's light shining to overcome darkness in all of creation, he has a promise for Mary. He has a promise for you. And for me, Mary loves Jesus, but she's not been on this road before. But God has promised not to forsake her. Because Jesus himself said just a few chapters before in John, chapter 12, verse 46, he said, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain. In darkness and that's why the angels appear when angels appear in scripture they signify a couple things they signify the power of God the plan of God and the message of God the proclamation of God and we're not told much about them in this passage but they're not sitting on the slab that Jesus had lain on because Jesus had failed. Their presence is practically shouting, LOOK NOT AT THE EMPTY SLAB! LOOK TO HEAVEN! LOOK TO GOD! And so they ask Mary, why are you weeping? The angels do care for Mary because God cares for Mary, sure but they are, by virtue of their name, messengers, and the message for them to give Mary is that her weeping just might not be the response for the day. On one hand, Mary is not wrong at all to weep. Because sin, our sin, and the price price it costs to be forgiven should stagger us to tears. But Jesus did not die, so we would only weep. He died so that our love would be transformed. But her love for Christ is going places it has never gone before, so she's not there yet. So she responds again with a face focused downward. They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And we should have sympathy for Mary, but we also need to recognize that we can totally miss a ton when we are crushed in the circumstances of life. Angels were talking with Mary. Now, while this shouldn't be as shocking as though we didn't believe in them, it should point out to Mary there is something supernatural going on here. Angels didn't just show up to so Mary, so Mary could give them the message that the body of Jesus wasn't there. No. They're there. To help her along the path where her love for Jesus is, needs to go to see him. And we often hear of the fact on East, Easter time and there's pictures and all this stuff that the tomb is empty during this season. And praise God, it is. Isn't it good news that the tomb is empty? But it's not good news at all unless we lift our eyes out and away from the tomb. We are not the people of God because of an empty tomb that human hands carved out. We are the people of God because our Lord, our God, rose from the dead and is alive, is outside the tomb, and in His story, our love must be flipped upside down. And as it is, Secondly, the voice of Jesus turns our faith right side up. Having said this, verse 14, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. (laughs) This is kind of, this is amazing. She sees angels, and then she sees Jesus, and she doesn't ask who any of them are. She's only aware of his presence and just turns slightly, but doesn't recognize him. And many people today getting stuck in the cares of the world, in the cares of, their, of the, the, their lives and the crises here and there, whether it's big stuff across the world or if it's, it's the little stuff at the breakfast table, we can oftentimes miss the risen Jesus. But there's also a bigger reason that she didn't recognize Jesus. There is something fundamentally different about Jesus in his resurrected state. He doesn't contradict who he was or anything he said or done before, but he's new creation material. And so that's something that we, of ourselves, without Jesus, if we keep looking only at the empty tomb, we don't have categories for. As well, Mary is still wrapped in a veil of grief so jesus is going to help her lift it so he asks what the angels asks asked maybe with a different tone i'm not we don't know why are you weeping but that's not really the question he's after cuz he follows it up with by taking a step further you see angels can testify to the truth but they are not the way, the truth, and the life. So it must be Jesus who asks not only why she is weeping, he knows this, he's God, but he asks, whom are you seeking? Jesus is leading her through her veil of grief and into a stronger faith than she had before. Her faith up to this point does not look for a risen Jesus but a dead one. So Jesus is basically asking, are you looking for the Jesus who is dead and is no more? Or are you going to look for the risen Jesus, who is forevermore, who sets the world right side up? But she doesn't understand yet. So she replies to the gardener, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. What she just said that she could do is impossible. With all the spices and the weight of his body. And in reality, does Jesus need to be carried by us somehow? No, actually it's the other way around. When we see that Jesus who is the true gardener, who is the second Adam, who has authority to take up his life again and is alive, is able to carry himself. Our faith is right side up when we ask him to carry us, when we ask him to help us walk with him, to run the race marked out for us, to help us fix our eyes on him, as Hebrews says. And right here in the story, in her desperation, when she's still trying to figure all these things out, Jesus is about to give her that focal point that she needs to walk through that veil, to grow in her faith, and to let him carry her. Mary, in her grief, has forgotten something. The good shepherd has not forgotten her name. Over and over again, this book of the Bible proclaims that Jesus—that all that Jesus saves, he never loses. And it is because this good shepherd is alive, and it is he that speaks to her, Mary's death-blown faith is rekindled and set to a bonfire by one word her name, Mary. And look what the text says. He says says her name, and she turned. She had already turned in verse 14, but either she looked away again or had not finished the move of faith. God, by the grace he has shown us through Jesus, Considers and claims those who believe him to be his children. When we recognize that he calls us by name to a resurrection love, a resurrection faith, a resurrection hope, all of the tears in the darkness, all of the struggles of faith, all of our sorrows for the sins against him, even this committed this morning, they do not have the final say when we look to Jesus and we hear his voice. Right at that moment, all of the trauma and the grief of the last few days in Mary's life are brought to focus as he brings her to the right side up side of the world of life, of faith. He is alive. Her love is flipped upside down and he speaks, and her faith is flipped right side up by his voice. And now, thirdly, now she is given hope. We are given the resurrection testimony that is hope word. She turned, verse 16, and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Her world is flipped right side up. And now she's not in her own world. She's in his world. And she's bewildered. And she calls him what he is, Rabboni, my teacher. He had been her teacher and he would continue as her teacher but it would be through the Holy Spirit. For his resurrection is not quite over. For Jesus, resurrection and ascension are integrally linked as going to the Father. He goes to the cross on his way to the Father. He goes to the grave on his way to the Father. He rises from the dead on the way to his Father. And he is to ascend to be with his Father. And so he says to Mary, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But he also says that to reassure, I'm not gonna die again. I'm not gonna forsake you. I'm not gonna leave you and leave you to yourself and leave you to figure out all this grief on your own. On the days between his resurrection and his ascension, Jesus is doing, what you might consider, a pit stop, and needing to get a very few important things done at the gas station, so to speak. And he stays, for at least these reasons. He wants to transform his disciples the way he's transformed Mary and he aims to commission his disciples, his church, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to go into all the world making disciples that follow him. But the relationships have changed and they need to know that. And as it changes, he commissions Mary. And he commissions her to send the disciples a message. Verse 17. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, did you hear these things? There are things in this passage that Jesus hasn't said anywhere else up to this point. He is the teacher. Rabboni. That's correct. But his disciples aren't merely his disciples anymore. You see, something has changed in the crucifixion and the resurrection. Actually, everything has changed. The world is made right side up. And his disciples, they are disciples. But now they're made more. brothers. Do you know how powerful this testimony is? His disciples, remember these guys, who in his greatest hour of need, they fled the scene. They left him hanging. They bailed on him. And the guy through whom the Holy Spirit is writing this passage is likely the guy in the, that in the scripture says ran away only in his underwear because they tried to grab him and they tore his clothes off of him. Do you know that for those guys, including the guy who denied that he even knew him three times while, he was being, while Jesus was being falsely accused, do you know the hope In the words of Jesus, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending not just to my father, I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God, not just my God, I'm ascending to my God and your God. This is resurrection (laughs) grace. This grace is hope word. For when Christ dies on the cross, he does exactly what was told about him for thousands of years before he hung there. The Lamb of God, as John the Baptist said, takes away the sin of the world. And he hung there to take the full weight of God's wrath against sin and is lifted up that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he rises from the dead and that eternal life is secured because he has done it. He has finished the mission. He has done his Father's will perfectly all the way through. He has done this for the greatest and he has done it for the least like those disciples who were later found hiding in a locked room, afraid for their lives. And he has done it for you and I, who would believe in him. And this hope word, testimony, delivers the truth of eternal life. You know, Jesus prayed It's recorded in John 17, before he was crucified. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you. He's praying to God the Father. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus enjoys a relationship with God the Father that no one else has. His relationship is utterly unique. But through his resurrection, in God answering his prayer, we who trust in him to take away our sins and give us life, we are made brothers and sisters in the household of God, our Father, who loves us with a love that he has had for his one and only son since before the foundation of the world. This gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of hope where we are freed to turn from our sins and to keep our gaze upon our brother, our Lord, our exalted God, who brings us to the Father. You see, Mary's story is not Mary's story. It's Jesus' story. But what has happened to Mary as she has been caught up in this story is this resurrection testimony. She has been transformed and will herself deliver true testimony. Verse 18. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This is our mission, church, right here. We are a people transformed by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we fall in worship and God's presence and then are sent with his Holy Spirit to announce his person and his work to the world. For from that world... God is aiming to reconcile brothers and sisters, alongside of us, brothers and sisters who are yet to be. And with this kind of mission, with this kind of hope, we do not need to be afraid or worry over the reception of how that news, of that news, how it's received or not received. And the other gospel accounts. It doesn't say it here in John. In the other gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Mary went and announced what she had seen and had been told. And those who were to be the pillars of the church, you look at it in the book of Acts, men who would be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. You know what these men did when they they first heard this from Mary? They scoffed at the testimony of a woman. But her commendation and ours as we obey Christ, comes from Christ who sent her, not from how the message is received. Because at some point that message did click because the guys who are, who too were staring at the empty tomb, they too saw the risen Christ. They too, believed, and they too were transformed. You want to know how one one way I know that they were transformed? I'm standing here talking to you today. I am speaking to you from a book preserved for thousands of years. A book that proclaims and testifies to to the risen Christ. Because God answered Jesus' prayers for those guys hiding in that room who didn't at first believe Mary's testimony. This is a resurrection testimony that is word. For this living Jesus has ascended and he has promised to come again. Once all of our brothers and sisters are gathered in and all of our brothers and sisters have heard the good shepherd's voice. If the Son of God can die on the cross, and he did. If if the Son of God can rise from the dead, and he did. When he says he's coming back, And he's going to make sure that none of our brothers and sisters are lost. You can guarantee that he is able to keep his word. Do you see then this reality today? Do you see love flipped upside down and sent where it needs to go? Do you see faith flipped right side up? And do you see a resurrection testimony that is hope-ward. Will you weep? or will, will you only stare at the stone slab saying only the body isn't there, the body isn't there, they have taken it. Or will you behold the power of God unto salvation for all who believe? that death has been conquered by the author of life and turn to behold the living gardener, the 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 second Adam, because the first gardener failed. Will you behold the Christ who through his willing death did not fail, but as Hebrews 12 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Will you hear the good shepherd calling your name? Will you confess him as Lord? And will you share in his joy, which he holds out to you so freely, joy that is needed today and every day? And if you have believed. Will you live by the Holy Spirit life in his name. And announce to the sick. To the unemployed. To the discouraged. To the broken. To the anxious. To the fearful. To the weary. To the cynical. That he is alive. And that love is made more full. Faith is not in vain. And there is hope in the Son of God who died and behold is alive forevermore with those who trust him. May Jesus through the Holy Spirit who testifies through his church. To the glory of the Father, be exalted and be even more filled with joy in bringing many sons and daughters to glory through his life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, you have done it. You have done it. God, we are separated right now, not able to meet together. But you are still on your throne. You still intercede for your saints. You still have sent your Holy Spirit. You still empower us by your Holy Spirit to live life in your name. And to announce the good testimony to others, to those who need it. And Lord, we don't know of ourselves who they are. If they are anyone breathing, they need to hear this message. And thank you for what you did for Mary. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for what you have done for those listening this morning. You are a God. whose story we are blown away by. Help us to be caught up in your story, Lord Jesus, for you are alive and there is hope. There is hope with you. We pray all these things in your good and perfect and living name. Amen.